We've been talking about prayer that gets results. And uh, this is going to be the final session on this uh, teaching. But I'm going to do uh, just a little recap here and kind of go over some of the high spots. We started out with our theme text of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And I'm going to read that 14 and 15. This is out of the NIV. It says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And when we talked about this word confidence, in the uh, Greek language, it talks about a boldness. Uh, as I looked up this word a little bit further, it talks about a fearless confidence uh, that compels a person to do something. And so John said, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, then we know we have the petitions or the requests that we've desired of him. God's word is given to us. His covenant promises are given to us to let us know what the will of God is. And, you know, you could talk a lot about uh, our identity in Christ, who we are in him and who he is in us. And having an understanding that God's word is what he watches over. We were talking about, you know, faith begins where the will of God is known. And of course, God's word is given so that we can have faith in God, in his promise, and also know where we stand and what our covenant uh, gives for us, what our covenant provides for us. And so we talked about, you know, of course, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'll just interject right here that, you know, you may have heard the word of God and you may have known of scriptures and even acted upon them in the past. But if it's been quite some time, uh, you may not be as strong in that area maybe as you were before. And so we want to get the word of God. We want to find scriptures. Uh, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah uh, 33, 3, that God tells us that he watches over his word to perform it. Too many people uh, today will just throw a prayer up uh, in desperation. You know, they may love God and, and uh, they're good people, but they're throwing up this, this prayer and they're hoping that God will answer. Now, there's nothing wrong with hope, but if our hope isn't turned into faith, we'll not see the answers that we need. And God has given us his word so we can know his will. And again, when we think about 1 John 5:14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we want God to hear us, let's pray his word. And that's, that's really the whole uh, foundation of this teaching is that if you want to get results in your prayer life, then base your word, base your prayer, base your approach to God on his word. You see, I can tell by listening to certain people pray, and uh, before I knew better, many, many years ago, uh, especially before I attended Bible school, you're just, you know, you don't know what God's going to do. Uh, in some cases, people are just hopeful that 
He'll even hear their prayer when they open their mouth. They're not sure if that's happening. Well, uh, <laughs> the Bible says in Psalms that the ear of the Lord is inclined to the cry or the prayer, or the, the call of the righteous. That's you and I. But if you don't know what God's word says, then it's impossible to have faith toward God. And if you don't have any faith to, toward God, then the best anyone can do is just hope. You hear people say, well, you know, we don't know what to do now, so we're just hoping and praying. Well, uh, that kind of just says that it's like flipping a coin, you know, heads or tails. I sure hope, I call heads, I sure hope it, I hope it lands on heads. There's no, uh, God didn't provide for us a hit and miss method. And too many people are, are doing this because they just don't know what God's word has to say. Then we went on a little bit further, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Or in other words, uh, the amen is spoken by us, it means so be it. Uh, what God said, let it happen. We talk about praying the word because if it's what God will watch over, if it's what God will perform, then that's what I want to get hooked up with. I don't want to be hoping. I don't want to be wondering. I don't want to be in a place where I really need God to break through. And if you're like me, you've had many times in your life where if God doesn't do something, you know, we're in trouble. We need God to, to make a way where there was no way. This thing's out of our control. It's out of what we can do. It's outside of the parameters of, of what we can do to change it. And we need divine power and divine help. And God is willing and God is able, but he stands by his word. Jesus said, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. In Mark uh, chapter 16, why don't you just turn there and let's look at this. Now, this is, this is the place where Jesus had risen from the dead. He had appeared to over 500 people. And in this, this time, the disciples are there with Jesus. And we'll just start here um, in verse 19, Mark 16, 19, it said, So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Now notice verse 20. This is what I want you to get a hold of. He said, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Jesus had been caught up. Jesus was gone. So he wasn't standing there in the flesh confirming that word, but by the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said was in them when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. These people had the great helper, the mighty Holy Spirit within them. And through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, the agent of the Holy Spirit working with them, God is watching over his word to perform it. They went out and preached what? They preached the word. 
the word of God and God confirmed the word with signs following. And from this, it's easy to see that if I have God's word on the issue, you have to realize the scripture says God's not a man uh, numbers 2319 and this is where we kind of left off on the last session 2319 numbers it says God's not a man that he should lie you know in, in the Hebrew uh, as I studied this out it the word means to fail or to be found a liar God God doesn't fail in what he promises to do neither is he a liar God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. Another translation says, or change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? You know, when I was much younger, <laughs> many years ago, just a, just a young man, um, I remember hearing the phrase, hearing my father say it when I was just a boy and, and others saying it, they talk about so-and-so said such and such, you know, and they'd say, well, if he said it, he'll make it good. That means whatever that guy said, he'll stand behind his word. He'll make his word good. That means he's going to do something about it. And, you know, of course, I heard that saying over and over. When I read this, I thought, wow, I know exactly what this is saying. He'll make it good. God, you, maybe you've heard it this way. You've heard someone say, well, so-and-so is good for their word. If they said it, it's as good as done. Well, that's God. That's a picture of God. Anything that God has promised, he'll do. If he hasn't promised it, well, then I can't hold him to what he hasn't promised. But the, the key here is that we need to go to God's word and find scriptures. Listen, find scriptures that promise you what you're believing God for, what you need, what it is that you want to approach God with. Take his word. I don't have to talk him into it and say, now, Lord, we're just asking you to do this. I, I don't do that. I say, Lord, you said this and you said this. In the book of Isaiah, he says, put me in remembrance. Uh, another translation says, state forth your cause. God tells us to put him in remembrance of his word. Why? He delights to perform his word on behalf of those who believe. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth was an English preacher. I think he died somewhere, oh, I think it was somewhere around 1948, something like that. But he was called the Apostle of Faith, and it said that he had, uh, some say 23, some say 26 people raised from the dead under his ministry. And and he said, there's something about God, about believing God, something about believing God that will cause him to pass over a million people just to get to you. You know, God uh, delights in us having faith and he requires it. So what do you mean? Well, Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now let's just look at this. I believe I have a, a message uh, translation on this. So let's turn there and, and I wanna look at Hebrews 11.6. You know, I, I remember many years ago thinking that, oh, why do, you, why do you just have to believe this and it seems like it's so difficult. But in time, the Lord began to show me 
It's not difficult. He reminded me, my father was, uh, my earthly father, he was very good to be a man of his word. Uh, if he told me he was going to do something, he's going to do it. I can remember when I left home, went to Bible school, and, and uh, you know, he'd ask me how things were going, and, and he'd say, you know, I just felt like in my heart I, I should send you uh, some money. And he'd tell me how much, and he'd say, I'll have a check in the mail tonight. This might even be uh, 10 o'clock at night. In those days, you could go down to the main post office uh, where he lived in Richmond and deposit that check in there. And he said, and it'll be there in three days. And you know, every single time he said that, which several times he had said things like that, it always happened. And God used that as an illustration to me. And he said, was that hard to believe? And I said, well, no, I saw him do it over and over. The only difference between that scenario and my walk with God is as I developed, I just simply needed to take God at his word and then give him the opportunity to come through just like he said he would. And so many people, um, I suppose they think because we, we live in this age where everything is lightning fast, you know, we have to have super fast internet speeds and super fast computers and phones and everything is instant, instant. And we got drive through everything and drive through coffee and A to Z, you know, and we want it fast, fast cars, fast everything. And then we want God to be like a drive through restaurant. I, I pray this afternoon, Lord, I'm expecting this to be done by tonight. Well, you know, some things come off that way, but there's other things where we're going to have to do, as the scripture said in Ephesians 6, having done all to stand, stand therefore. See, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 7, that we, we walk by faith, or 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That means I'm not walking by my senses. I'm not walking by my feelings, my emotions, what I can see or what I can hear. I am going purely by what God had to say in his word. And uh, this was certainly the case of many of the patriarchs who the 11th chapter of Hebrews spells out very specifically. Uh, Sarah, the Bible says, because of the promise that God gave Abraham, it said that she was able to receive strength to conceive seed. And that woman was 99 years old. Abraham was 100. He was too old at that time to father a child. And yet God said, you'll be the father of many nations. Now they, they both could have said, now Lord, uh, do you know how old we are? And, and, and do you realize we're way past the point of doing this? But Abraham knew that God was a covenant keeping God. He also was well aware that God was the one who made the heavens and the earth. God was the one who gave man breath and life. And there was no challenge to God to back up anything he had to say. He had a pretty good track record already in the running. And so, you know, uh, Hebrews 6.18 uh, says this. I'll, I'll read it out of, the, out of the King James first, and then I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. It says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. 
Now the message translation says it this way. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock solid guarantee. I love that. That's so good. Rock solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise likewise is unchangeable. I remember another term here again. My father used to use this term about something being rock solid. He, he just meant this thing is the best quality. You can depend on it. It's dependable. And it's a great a great terminology. And here, uh, the message translation uses this about God backing up his word. And so we have to understand that in every faith endeavor, every time we approach God and we're going to come to him, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that comes to God must Remember, I said we have to have faith. God wants it. He that comes to God must believe that he is, that's one, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, uh, here's the Passion Translation. I'm going to read two of them for you. It says, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength seeking him. Message translation. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists, listen to this, and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. You know, that's so good. I, I wished I'd have known this translation about 30 years ago. I remember coming out of Bible school and you just, for whatever reason, really, I think it's the, the unrenewed mind and the lack of experience and walk with God. You just find yourself sometimes, oh, I sure hope he does this. I hope he comes through. I'm trusting with all my heart. Well, God already said, if you trust God with your heart, uh, Hebrews, I think it's chapter Let's see, 2.11, he says, for this cause he's not ashamed to call us brethren. But the Bible also tells us that uh, you cannot believe God. You cannot come to him with biblical faith, faith out of your heart. We believe with our heart. Remember Romans 10, 9 and 10. With the heart man believes to a right standing with God and with the confession results in salvation. So I believe with my heart, I speak it with my mouth and the end result is salvation. What's well, that way with all prayer? Because we don't, we don't have, you know, a different faith for healing and a different faith for a financial need and a different faith for a relationship need. No, it's all faith in God's promise. If faith is just simply taking God at his word. And, and as we said before, faith is not so much something you have as it is something that you do. Now, let me illustrate. If I say, for instance, with healing, if I say, okay, Lord, you said in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah that surely this man, Jesus, took our, you know, I know the King James says our, our griefs and sorrows. The literal Hebrew says he took our sickness, our weakness, our disease, and our wound. And he carried away, lifted up and bore away our pain. 
And the Bible says the chastisement of our peace, that stuff that's coming against your mind, that harassment against your mind, the lack of peace. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that Jesus is our peace. I just ran into someone recently. They said, I just don't have any peace. I said, yes, you do. I said, if you're born again, you do. The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. And he says that he is our peace in Ephesians chapter five. I said, you have peace. What's going on with you is you just simply have all these concerns and cares and all this stuff and it's clouding out what's already working on the inside. You need to turn this over to him and that peace, you'll sense it. It'll return to your awareness. And so as we look to God and we trust God, we have to take him at his word and then do what he said. Cast the whole of your care upon him and just lean back on God and rest in his promise. God's good for his word. I don't have to keep checking up on him. I don't have to go after him and just, oh, I sure hope he's going to do this. I sure hope he'll pull it off. God didn't have any problem pulling it off. Anything he promised, he's able to do. Remember, he's the one who made us. Uh, the psalmist David said, God knows we're dust. Well, God made man out of the dust of the earth, formed him. Then he opened up his side, took out a rib and fashioned woman and brought him a wife, a helpmeet. I mean, God is an amazing God. I think we just get our eyes on the natural things and we have our mind on what we can do and maybe what we can't do or should have done and didn't do and and now we're in this jam and we're so oh God, I hope you come through. Well, listen, if you find a promise, he that comes to God must believe that he is. But what else? That he cares enough about you to respond. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, you know, faith is, you know, it's not supposed to be like a spare tire. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. In other words, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to say, okay, God, I've just believed that you didn't lie about this. What you said, I take you at your word. In other words, you know, he's good for it. He'll make it good. And so, you know, the promises of God, well, they're eternal promises. They're not, you know, the ones that work for all the great Bible stories. And we sit back and marvel and say, wow, wonder what it would have been like to live in that day. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Oh, I just wish Jesus was still here on the earth. You know, then, then our needs would be met. You ever heard anybody say that? Maybe you've said it. I said it a long time ago before I went to Bible school. I didn't know any better. I didn't know that, that God longed to do for me. I didn't know that God cared about me. I didn't even know, you know, there in John, was it chapter 10? Jesus says that, you know, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I didn't know the word of God said that. I just thought, I'll be happy if God will even just look my way and maybe listen to me. <laughs> but you see, God told us that my people, they perish for a lack of knowledge. And this is why when we talk about prayer that gets results, we're talking about find scriptures, find God's promise. God's promises are not only eternal, but they're covenant promises. I want to read uh, something here. You know, when we understand that we have a covenant with God that's been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ, that's what will bring the blessing of God in our life. When we know that God did this for us, God didn't do it for himself. He didn't make this covenant 
with himself, he made it between himself and his man. He made a covenant with Adam. And then when, of course, the devil came into the garden and, and you know the story, how corruption came and they fell, God was not without a solution. God sent a savior, a redeemer, Jesus Christ. And because he lives, we can live. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Well, you know that curse, if you read in Deuteronomy, uh, the 28th chapter, it'll talk about the curse of the law. You know, you'd be cursed when you come in, when you go out and, you know, you'll lose your cattle and you lose your fruits and your, your, your livestock and you're going to lose your produce and on and on and on for the broken law. And basically without getting into all of that tonight, the broken law, the curse of the law was poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. But the scripture says that Christ came and all of our, uh, all the ordinance Colossians says, all the things that were contrary to us were nailed to the cross. How were they? In the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross, he took our place. It was that substitutionary act of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That's what the very term of intercession means to take the place of. And Jesus, the scripture tells us in Hebrews that he made intercession for us. He went and took our place. And because he took our place, God has this covenant with us that now we are called the redeemed of the Lord. And the redeemed of the Lord have a covenant with God and the covenant is written. And the written words of the covenant are the things that outline what God has done for us, what God will do through us, and what God will do for us and in us. And this is the reason I don't have to suppose or even think for a minute that there's not a promise that covers my situation. It's in there. It's in there. It's in the Bible. There's nothing that you're dealing with but what God has an answer for you. And if you'll go to the word and say, God help me, the Holy Spirit in this day and age is so much easier. I used to have to thumb through a concordance and try to find a scripture and look up and see if I could just find one in today's world. My gosh, all you got to do is get on and do a Google search and you can pull up, you know, all kinds of scripture verses. And I love the fact that when I type in a scripture verse, it pops up. It's not some other religion. It's scriptures from the Bible. So awesome. And so... Here in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 18, let's just turn and look at this because, you know, so much of the time uh, people just say, well, you know, I just, will this work for me? Well, it will work for you if you do what the Bible says to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The scripture tells us, uh, Let's look here. I'm going to I'm going to pull this over in my main view. Uh Romans chapter 4. I think I'll start with uh verse 16. It says therefore is it is of faith that it might be grace to the end that the promise, the promise of God might be sure or guaranteed to all the seed. And not that only which is of the law 
but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now listen as this continues here. He says, as it is written, this is God talking, I have made you, Abraham, the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope, Abraham, who against hope, he believed in hope. There was no reason in the natural for him to believe that he and his wife would have a child and he would become the father of many nations. They didn't even have an heir at that time. And yet God made this in the natural, it looked like an outlandish, impossible, unthinkable promise. But that's who God is. God specializes in the impossible. And many people say, well, I've never seen this done or I've never seen that happen. Does that mean that everything that you've seen in life uh, is what is the summation of everything that exists and everything you have not seen? It does not exist because you haven't seen it. I hear people make statements like that all the time. And I think that is ridiculous. You haven't seen, I mean, I, I travel the world uh, preaching the gospel and I've seen things in other countries I've never seen here. But before I saw them, I didn't know they existed. I didn't know it was like that. You know, I, I've been to all different countries and seen all kinds of different cultures and lifestyles and, and things in the cultures and ate foods that I didn't know existed. Well, they were there before I was born, but I didn't know anything about it till I saw it. And so we cannot just decide that because we're not familiar with something that this won't work with God. Abraham, it said against hope, he believed anyway. There was nothing in the natural to pull this off, but he wasn't looking at the natural. Listen to how this reads. It said that he might become the father of many nations. According to that was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not. Here's the faith walk. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said, I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to look at my physical status. I'm not going to look at my wife's. I'm not going to consider our elderly bodies. God made us a promise. I don't know how he's going to do it. All I know is this is what he said. And you know, sometimes it's just best instead of for you trying to figure out how in the world God's going to pull off this miracle that you so desperately need. Even when we've prayed the word, don't wear yourself out with that. You just simply say, God said it, he'll do it. He spoke it. What did Numbers 23, 19 said? He'll make it good. God's good for his word. It said in verse 20 about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You know, if we're staggering, if we're wavering, James said, we're like the wave of the sea. We're driven and tossed. He said, he's a double-minded man. And don't let that man or not let that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. Double-minded. Here it says that he staggered not at the promise of God. He, he wasn't going back and forth between believing and not believing. He just said, the scripture says, but he was strong in faith. Why? How? 
It says he was giving glory to God. Abraham was busy glorifying God for the promise instead of examining it, questioning it, checking up on God and trying to find out when's he going to do it. And listen, we've all done it. I've had times where I've done that and I realized, my gosh, do you know who you're talking to? Sometimes we have to straighten ourselves out because our soulish realm, our minds can just you know, go off the chart and we start saying stuff or start thinking stuff that's so contrary to this word, contrary to the faithfulness of God and the character of God. And that's where we find ourselves wondering, oh man, is God going to do this? You know, it's, it's, it's this late or it's this date. You know, I, I thought this would have happened by the, by the first week of this month. And here we are halfway through and I just can't see it. You don't have to see it in the natural. What you need to see is the promise. What you need to see is the faithfulness. That is how prayer that gets results works. I take the promise of God. I find out what God has to say about my situation. Then I meditate on this promise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So I'm meditating on this promise. I'm developing my faith in this promise. And then I say, Father, this is what you said. So right now, I thank you because you said this. And I quote his word to him. I say, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. You know, the Bible says, for instance, uh, bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, says the Lord. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing there's not room enough to contain. Do you know, if I believe that I'm in covenant with God and as I honor him with my tithe and my offering, and I'm not robbing him, like Malachi says, you know, they says, you robbed God. And they went, how do we rob God? He said, you robbed him in tithes and offering. You know, 10% of everything we make is God's. And the offering is being generous. It's giving, it's giving something besides you can do better on the 90% or the 85 or 80% than you can hoarding it all to yourself and robbing God. And here Abraham, he knew that God was a covenant keeping God. And so he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He must have just went ahead and got excited because he felt it. No, he didn't feel anything. In fact, he's, I mean, he's 100 years old. He, his brain was probably going, Whoa, something's really going to have to radically change. We're not going to have a child. My wife, oh my gosh, you know, can she, can she carry a child in her womb for nine months at this age? 99. It said in being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was also able to perform. That's powerful. Abraham's faith was in the promise. It was in the faithfulness of God. He knew he had a covenant. He knew he was in covenant and he knew that God was able to back the covenant. You know, that doesn't happen by a casual acquaintance. It doesn't happen by having a relationship with God where it's hit and miss. You come occasionally or when you're in trouble, like, you know, uh, we got the fire extinguisher there. We never look at it unless a fire breaks out. If you don't even know how to use it, what good will it do you? Think about it. What good will the extinguisher do you if you don't even know how to run the thing? God's promises are given to us. He tells us how to approach him, come in faith. He tells us how to get faith. He tells how faith comes. But you know, faith comes by hearing, but 
having heard once or twice, well, faith goes by the lack of it. It's when I keep presenting that word to me. That's why you want to stay strong in faith in God's word. You want to just keep feeding the word into your life. You know, and sometimes people hear this and they think, oh my gosh, it just sounds like so much work. Well, how's life working for you without God's power and presence? How's it working? Do you have peace? Say, so, well, if I just had all the money, you know, like those wealthy rich people, you know, that are billionaires, I'd, I'd just be super happy, you think? They got problems you don't know about. They got problems you've never experienced and you don't want. I was just listening to a man recently and he said, the greater the risk, the more you better know. He said, when you're down here in the professional field collecting a paycheck and you're working for somebody else, they don't sue you. He said, but when you're up there making, you got 500 employees and such like that, and you're on that level of income, he said, oh yeah, then they won't come after you and get some of that money. <laughs> Abraham knew that it was God who was his covenant God. And his faith is what defied the circumstances. His faith overrode what he saw, what he felt, what he thought, because he believed God and took him at his word. So number one, find the word of God. Pray in line with the word of God. Trust God for the answer to come. Believe in the faithfulness. Trust in the goodness of God. And I'll tell you, you'll see that your prayer will get results.